welcome to Globally Speaking, a podcast about connecting with global audiences. Globally Speaking is designed to explore the challenges involved in breaking down language and communication barriers. Our hosts and guests, thought leaders and industry experts, discuss their experiences on a range of topics related to content, communication and customer engagement. Welcome to today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of the Globally Speaking podcast. About a third of the world's websites are in English, yet only 5% of the world's population speak English as their first language. Our recent study shows that 45% of people around the world are fed up with the dominance of English online. In this new episode of the Globally Speaking podcast, we're delighted to discuss how to unlock global understanding with Chong Junghua, localization team lead at ByteDance, and specifically from the perspective of the Chinese market. Chog, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to be here with us today. Um, firstly, can you maybe tell us a bit more about yourself? What did you study? What has been your career path until now? Um, in which part of the localization process are you currently specialized in? And what motivates you in, uh, in this work? Yeah, uh, it, it's my pleasure to take part in this uh, recording. So, and uh, I'm Zhongjun Guo. I'm from China, and uh, now I'm the localization team lead at ByteDance. So I uh, majored in journalism, and after my graduation, I'm, I did branding for seven years. But at the same time, I, I've been a part-time translator for magazines in China since 2008. So I've been doing part-time translation for uh, several years and until... Uh, 2014, I gathered a team of translators so, and built this boutique translation agency called Panda Translation. And then in 2017, I joined Airbnb as the language manager in China first, and then the localization manager in Airbnb China. So uh, then I left Airbnb in uh, 2019 uh, to run my own business and uh, promote product localization best practices in China. Uh, and last year, I joined ByteDance, and I'm now leading a product localization team here. Right. So you really have the big, you know, overview over the whole scope um, of the localization process. Yeah, I've been a, a owner of a LSP, and then I'm managing the product localization in-house. And then a translator too. So <laughs> uh, yeah. it's really, yeah, the, yeah. the whole amazing. Um, about a third uh, of the world's websites are in English and only 5% of the world speaks English natively. Uh, we also recently conducted, conducted a research that shows that 44% of people across the globe are fed up with the dominance of English online. Do you agree that brands still assume that the world of the internet speaks their language? Is this also happening in China? And what can brands do to ensure they're truly global? I think this is still the case because uh, English is still the majority language uh, across the internet. So uh, especially for Chinese apps, I mean, uh, mobile apps especially, uh, when they are trying to go global, the first language they want to localize into is English. And I know a Chinese app, Chinese social app, that, is, that was going global. 
and then they had this English version first, and the English version version only. But、uh, when they have like one million users globally, then they decided to add four more、uh, European languages. And and when I asked them why 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 do you decide to add these languages, they said. Um, because our users commented in App Store and、uh, saying we want uh, uh, my language in this app, so that's why they realized that oh, using English only is not enough. And and people actually commented it. They actually gave the feedback to them. So that you know that's yeah that was obvious. Do you know which languages they were? Which European languages? Were requested、uh, Italian, Spanish, German, and、uh, French. Probably was it French? Ah,、uh, French. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> All right.、Um, yeah. So yeah, basically, English is still you know dominant in in、yes. online and in the yeah.、Um, and on that point too, when we think of localization, we immediately think、uh, of language. But localization actually means so much more than that. Like, have you experienced an app or a certain feature for an app that worked for China and did not work for another market, after, even though it was localized? Do you have a concrete example, maybe, of of this user experience expectations being different in China and and other markets?、Uh, I think the most obvious、uh, pitfalls. Of Chinese apps going global is that they just don't change the UI design of the Chinese app, or they just adopted the experience of designing products for Chinese users and de-、uh, design the product for global market in the same way.、Mm-hmm. But this will immediately cause major design issues. You know the Chinese characters takes up less spaces in the in the interface. So when you open a Chinese app, you will find that mostly the the UI interface is packed. And this is yeah, this is and this is the case for、uh, Korean and Japanese apps. So if you open Naver or a, a Japanese news app. You will find that the texts are everywhere. Right. That is because East Asian users are more、uh, accustomed, or they would like to gather information、uh, before they make decisions. Yeah. So the more information they gather, they will be more confident to make decisions. Okay. So would you say there's actually more? Text more,、uh, yeah. Like the design is more busy, is busier on something for China, for example, or yeah, you know, it will、Japan. be denser. The layout will be denser. be denser. Okay, and、yeah. Naver, so, Naver is a Chinese、um, social media,、uh, Korean,、right? Korean, yeah, Korean. Okay, okay, Korean social app. Okay,、yeah. and、uh, so this is the this is the、uh, the biggest issue, maybe. And then when you have to localize this. You you either have a lot of text or you need to remove stuff, right? Yeah, either either、uh, they will the the localized text will break the design or、uh, that they will be cut off. 
Right. So this is something to take into consideration from the very early stages onwards, uh, right? Yes. In order to, in the app creation, actually. Um, yes. Yeah. So um, if you want to, but, but I think we have uh, some, we have some good examples of doing the, in the different way. So uh, like, uh, you know, there is the e-commerce app called JD.com. It's also a, a mobile app. When you switch the JD app to the US version, you will find that it looks a lot like uh, Amazon, like uh, eBay, uh, instead of uh, Taobao. Oh, that's interesting. So w- would you really say that if we kept, you know, the, the original design and density of text, it would be way too much for other markets? It would be too much information and it would look too dense? And people would go away, yeah. Yes, and there is a interesting, interesting Chinese design, Chinese app design uh, habit. They they use a lot of squares at the top of the uh, uh, app, at the top of the section, so that they will, they can hold many as many sections or categories as as possible. Yeah, so that people can quickly navigate through the app and find the right category that they are interested in. That's really interesting. So it means the customer journey is also completely different. I mean, it's obvious, but it's a real case of, you know, the customer journey being different from one market to the other, where you said that, you know, in this case, people like to get all the information first, and then they decide if they're going to the next step, whereas maybe for the U.S. market, as you said, you know, earlier, maybe people like to get a little bit of information and get a bit more little by little, whereas, yeah, that's so interesting. That's a quite big difference. Based on your past experience, what are the major differences in how people are dealing with product localization in companies in and out of China? I mean, this is a bit similar, but do you have any other examples maybe? And where do those differences come from, you know? Why is there so many, so many differences? Uh, as I said, the first difference may be the UI design. Yeah. The, the, the way user digest the information that leads to the different UI designs. So the next uh, difference in, in product localization in, in companies in China is that most companies in China, especially in the past, they regard localization as translation and translation only. So this leads to another pitfalls, though, is that uh, in the past, people seldomly take internationalization infrastructure of, an, of a product into consideration. But as you know, internationalization is the key to do better localization. So uh, this, this actually has created many mistakes and uh, 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 challenges for Chinese apps going global. I think the last major difference in product localization in China is that uh, product managers or localization managers, they don't pay too much attention to source language and its quality. Right. So for uh, U.S. companies and European companies, uh, the source text of the, of the app is English, mostly. And then... Uh, from English, 
will be uh, localized into other languages. But the Chinese tech companies has been doing product development for Chinese users only for a long time, like in the past 20 years. So product managers uh, think that maybe using Chinese as the source language is okay. But actually, it's not. Because from English to other languages, you can find many good translators mm-hmm. or localizers. But uh, it's not the case uh, when you're doing localization from Chinese to other languages. Yeah, and the cost will be way higher. Would you say it's worth translating from Chinese to English first? Yeah, and then use, use, the, use English as the pivot language into other languages. That's interesting, actually. It's one more step, I guess, to the localization process. And, you know, it's not always possible from a cost perspective or time perspective, but you would say it's actually the best way to proceed. Yeah, but uh, ultimately, as you said, like 40% of the Internet is filled with English content. And English is the best pilot language when you are trying to go global. So you have to pay enough attention to English quality. That's so interesting. That's really, yeah, that's a really interesting point to keep both, you know, languages in mind when, when actually reaching out for other markets, um, European markets. Um, we are also seeing like now more and more Chinese products going global. Do you have any exciting trends that when we talk about product localization in China that you would like to highlight maybe? Anything that you've noticed or, you know, in the past years or months? I found three things. Uh, one is that more companies in China are having dedicated localization department or at least dedicated localization roles. Internally, you mean within the company? Yeah, yeah, yeah in-house. Yeah, because that, that was not the case. Because in, in the past, in the past, maybe uh, many tech companies in China just... Uh, uh, assign some product, ma- product manager or even operation staff take care of the translation. Yeah. But now, uh, with more, uh, more and more brands going global, Chinese brands going global successfully, uh, the people are paying more attention to product local- localization. So, for example, uh, the mobile device companies like Xiaomi, Huawei, Oppo, the, and uh, drones like the DJI and uh, other 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 uh, consumer products like uh, Timu, uh, Shein, and Anchor. All these brands, they are they they have in-house localization professionals. So this is uh, uh, maybe the most uh, 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 wonderful thing. And uh, the second is that you can see that with more and more products going. Uh, becoming uh, successful globally, so their designs are more and more, uh, more and more international. Okay, so you can also see within the like in the Chinese designs. Yeah, for example, if you open any uh, web official uh, any website, if you, if you open any website uh, that is uh, from a Chinese brand, you can you can you will find that. The, the Chinese version of their website is different, looks, looks different from that of their overseas version. So they have 
noticed that difference, and uh, they've they've made changes. Localization is no longer translation only. Yeah, it's becoming more and more important. And it's part of the product design. It's part of the product、uh, development. And and what's number three? <laughs> Uh, the number three is、uh, something that's、uh, very exciting is that we are having a、uh, lock launch in China. Oh, okay. Tell tell us more. <laughs> you know,、uh, with with all these in-house localization professionals in China, so we have a community, and you know, Beijing is one of the headquarters that many tech companies、uh, is located are located. So we have many localization professionals in Beijing. So in the past, we we had uh, like um, three years ago, we had our first lock lunch here in Beijing. Did you go to it? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So uh, many uh, teachers, uh, localization teachers, uh, major uh, localization major teachers in China. And uh, uh, the LSP and uh, uh, the client, and just like any lock lunch session outside of China. So,、um, would you say that it was actually, you know, it, it took more time to arrive to China? Would you say the lock lunch? Because I know the one, you know, I lived in Berlin for for a long time,、um, and I I was going to the lock lunches.、Um, But I joined the industry when I finished my studies、um, five years ago. So for me, it's kind of it's always been there. Do you know what I mean? But do you, have you noticed that it was actually quite recent that it it arrived to China? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so I think lock launch the emergence of lock launch in China、uh, coincides with the emergence of localization roles or localization profession in in China. And so we have a community here, and we can communicate、uh, the best practices and the lessons we learned. So things will be easier and easier. And and more and more people are working within the industry, you know. Find, yeah. So it means the industry is growing. Actually, this all comes back to the same conclusion. Yeah. Yeah, and and we want to uh, uh, raise the awareness of uh, uh, people's awareness of the. Uh, product localization and the importance of of a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course.、Um, that ties up nicely with the, my next question.、Uh, product localization involves many stakeholders and various systems. Among all these, what do you think plays the most critical part in making product localization easier, and why? I think, as I said, the first is the awareness. Because in the past, when you are just doing products for Chinese users only, you don't have to think about localization. So, so you're not aware of it. But if you're if you decide to go global, you have to take localization into consideration, and then you should learn how to do what it is and how to do it right. So the the awareness is. The most important aspect, and the next thing I think is internationalization, because you need a, a, a robust infrastructure to enable better localization. And 
you you should take internationalization into consideration at the very beginning of the product development or even product design. Yeah, because of what we mentioned earlier, you know, with the the problem that it can cause afterwards. What would you say was the main important turning point where people in our companies in China realized like that localization was something to take into consideration. Do you think it was roughly like it was little by little or, or did you notice that happened in, you know, within a few, a few years? Like, because we mentioned feedback, for example, on, on the app store, you know, but do you think, do you think there was something more to it? Like, how would you explain the fact that people actually realized that localization was so important and, and that now realize that the community is growing, that everything goes in that direction. You know, people having um, translators internally uh, or companies having translators internally. What, like, you know, wh when did that happen, this change of thinking? I think it should be 20, around 2019 uh, because in the past, uh, Chinese companies had some successful examples of uh, successful uh, products in, in overseas app stores. But uh, it was, th they were mostly gadgets, like a uh, ruler, like a uh, flashlight, like uh, a battery saver, things like that. Okay. All gadgets, tools. Uh, so we have like uh, a famous company called Cheetah Mobile. They they create it created a bunch of these tools, but uh, that was just a small part of Chinese tech company. So until 2019, when internet penetration in China reaches its peak, so there will no more new users coming into the market into Chinese market. Then companies found that. Oh, I, I've reached the cap of this market because my user base won't grow anymore in China. I have to go overseas. I have to go global to, to reach global markets. So that was when almost all companies could consider going global back in 2019. And and the first products that actually made it were re things that didn't really need, like you know, when you when you talk about 2019, that before this point, the the products that were available on the App Store, for example, were really simple tools or gadgets. So I guess they there was not too many localization around those get you know around those uh, products. Uh, the gadgets products actually went overseas way earlier, like uh, like uh, 20, 2012, 2010. Yeah, yeah. But uh, that won't create much money, you know? Yeah, okay. And uh, people can use other products. They don't have to use a Chinese app to do this. And there are many competitors in the market. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, when the social media, especially uh, uh, TikTok, things like TikTok and Facebook and WeChat, they are growing bigger and bigger. They they found that oh, the global market is uh, what we cannot miss. 
Yeah, of course. And, and talking about that, about social media and, you know, how it has revolutionized really the era we're in, um, inclusiveness and accessibility are a theme that you cannot ignore anymore. And a lot of recent technologies appeared on the market and are, re are really making it easier for brands to be more inclusive. Um, you know, I'm thinking about those technologies like auto captions or text to speech on social media. When you go to, um, to see videos, there are subtitles or there's a, there's a voiceover. Um, how did this completely change the, our digital area? And, you know, what consequence does it have on language, to your opinion? Because it, it must have a, you know, a little bit of a consequence on how we deal with language. Uh, I often compare localization to accessibility because both localization and accessibility makes the app easier to use to our users. And uh, accessibility is not just for those who uh, with disabilities, though it's for everyone. When you want to watch a movie at night and you don't want to disturb your family member, you can turn on the caption and watch the movie. So if you uh, happen to break your leg or what, you need accessibility, you need, you need help to make you navigate somewhere. So that's accessibility is not for just for disabilities, it's for everyone. And with auto captions and text-to-speech uh, technologies, uh, they enable frictionless communication. For example, Airbnb has this tag called Translation Engine that can translate all UGC, user-generated content, on Airbnb platform into the languages that Airbnb supports, which are 66 languages. So, yeah, whenever a user is trying to book a listing on Airbnb, they will see the listing information in their native native language. And when they reach out to the hosts and uh, to communicate, to ask for a prize or ask for uh, uh, amenities, they will communicate with the help of the machine translation uh, with the hosts in their native language. And the hosts can use their native language to communicate with guests from all over the world. I I actually made made the experience uh, of this recently. I was traveling to Marseille with my sister, and um, my Airbnb is in English, right? Because I download it like it's in English. Uh, and in Marseille, Marseille is in France, obviously, and I'm French speaking. I was talking to him like I send it in French, and he was answering to me in English. And I was like, this is so weird because his name is Pierre. He's obviously French, you know, like I could see on his profile some French details too. And I was like, why does he answer to, to me in English? I really don't understand why, it, you know, and it was actually uh, Airbnb, like who was, you know, doing the automatic, like the automatic translation. And when I arrived at the door, I talked to him in English and he was like, but you're French. I'm French. Why don't we speak? Speak, uh, speak French. And I was like, well, sorry, I just thought you were actually English speaker because, and we realized it was the automatic translation. So that was quite funny. And I was like, that's so, and you know, that's so handy, but it, it, that created the funny situation in that, in that, um, in that situation, in, like in that context. But 
Yeah, I think it's amazing, actually. You know, imagine you just go to a country, you don't speak the language, you write in your language, and that's translated into the person's language directly. That's, that's you know, it's actually, from a user experience, experience perspective, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, that, that's... And, and I think this is not just for traveling industry, travel industry, but, but for all industries that have inter interactions between people. True. Yeah. Do you have a, do you have an example of that for other industries, for example? Uh, another industry may, might be the customer services. Yeah. Because if you want, if you have some issues with a product, you need to reach out to the customer services. Okay. And you need to talk to people and you need to explain your situation. And they need to provide solutions for you. So all these information needs to be communicated in in the proper language. And it helps a lot with the communication to be able to, you know, explain your problem in your own language at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and I, I believe this is related to almost all products. Yeah, that's true. And, and talking about the situations that you mentioned earlier, I'm, I was also thinking about, you know, like the captions and the text to speech. So many times, um, now I just watch my videos on, on social media without the sound because I know whatever, you know, that my family's sleeping. I don't want to. So I'm, I can, you know, I can hear, but I don't want to hear, uh, at the, you know, in this exact situation. So, um, yeah, to tie back to what you were saying about inclusivity and, you know, um, the fact that we all need it at some point, even in one situation, even if it's not, if it's only temporary. And maybe a final, a final or my final question. If you had one piece of advice for people trying to go global, you know, for companies trying to reach other markets, what would it be? If you had one big piece of advice? I think the, maybe the biggest advice for any products that uh, needs to go, uh, go global is that you have to admit or realize that product localization is a teamwork. It's not done by a single department nor a single person. You need collaborations along the whole product development cycle and you need to collaborate in a very efficient way. So that's better. I mean, so you need to design the workflows and, uh, yeah, with, 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 with care. Yeah. Being aware, you know, having localization up here, uh, when thinking about all those processes, go to a market is keeping it in mind. All right. That's it. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today and to answer our questions. It was a pleasure to welcome you, um, to the Globally Speaking podcast and, uh, we had fun. I hope you too. My pleasure. <laughs> and um, yeah, we'll say see you in the next episode, everyone. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Yeah, you too. Bye. <laughs>